it was funny actually yesterday I was doing a big presentation for about 200 people virtually and I was super nervous which obviously I didn't tell anyone and I just I for some reason I just couldn't I think I slept a bit badly or I don't know why but I just couldn't get out of that nervousness moment but then I switched it by just thinking hey this is not about me but this is about those 200 people getting some really practical things that will help them feel better about combining their parent responsibilities with their leader responsibilities and then as a result it went really well and I got fantastic feedback and I don't think people would have noticed whether or not I was confident but actually it doesn't matter because it wasn't about me. Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. With this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children. If you want to get involved, be that as a senior leader mentor or a fellow, then register interest here on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Today's conversation is slightly different. The tables have turned. Kirsty Brewer, who is a journalist at the BBC, is interviewing me about my story of combining a leadership career with young children, uh, combining setting up a social enterprise with young children. She really does ask some excellent questions and it was quite an interesting reflection time for myself uh, personally. She grills me about things such as the imposter syndrome, how I managed to make it work practically and of course my very exciting new pregnancy with our third baby. I would love to hear from you if you find it interesting or thought-provoking or just generally feedback. My Twitter handle is at VHefty and obviously I also read most of the tweets that come to at leaders underscore plus. If you want to support us, then please do share this podcast with anyone who think might be able to benefit and especially with anyone who's thinking about potentially starting their own social enterprise. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. I'm Kirsty Brewer. I'm a BBC journalist and I have a two-year-old son. I'm also a fellow of the Leaders Plus programme and I'm really happy to be here interviewing the founder and CEO of the programme, Verena Hefty. It's really nice to have that conversation and quite interesting to be in a situation where the tables have turned. Yeah, you're in the interview chair um, and I'm really interested to hear more about why you set up Leaders Plus and how building a social enterprise works alongside having a young family and I know that fat your family is now growing and you're having a third baby so congratulations thank you very much yeah in advance of this I kind of spoke to other leaders plus fellows and there's lots of burning questions that people had so I'll put some of those to you but maybe we should just start at the beginning before launching your leaders plus fellowship program you were a regional director at teach first the educational charity right Yes, that's right. And then you became pregnant with your first child. Can you talk us through how that moment in your life sparked the idea to launch Leaders Plus? Yes, yes. So I never knew, I wasn't never one of those people who knew they were going to have children. I was quite, um, to be honest, I was a bit ambivalent about it because I wasn't sure whether I was maternal at all. 
but then I decided to get pregnant because I thought I might as well try it. And at that time, didn't really realize that there's no, you know, once you've decided <laughs> that's it, you're going to be a parent. Um, but I've always been very, very ambitious at work. I've probably many people would have said I was a workaholic. And so when I got pregnant, many people actually asked me, even people who didn't know me at work, asked me whether I had planned the pregnancy because they were so surprised that someone like me, who obviously seemed to be working quite hard and was ambitious about their career and wanted to make a difference, that someone like me actually also wanted to have a child. Teachers generally is a really supportive employer, but I just noticed how the conversation changed. So as my bump grew, suddenly people just, you know, they weren't talking to me again about my views on strategic issues or on big things that, that might be up on the horizon for the organization. But it just kept talking to me about whether or not, you know, my nursery was ready, which it definitely wasn't, or what sort of things I was planning to do with my work, whether I was going to go part time and so on. And that was all really surprising and, and to be honest, a bit shocking to me. I just saw that people saw me differently than before. Everyone has an opinion, don't they, that they have to share with you? <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Something that you wrote in um, your recent blog post, actually, that stuck with me that you, I thought was very well put, that you said, um, throughout the nine months, I received many comments which assumed I would push out my ambition with my baby. That was actually really surprising to me. I, I remember sharing a ride home in a car, me giving a lift to someone, which I thought was a you know, really kind thing to do. And I didn't know that person well, but she was very clear that she was expecting me to look for a role that was less less challenging and less demanding, which obviously wasn't at all what I wanted to do. And I guess by the time I then ended up giving birth, that really left me with a lot of questions. I didn't feel like I had role models around me who showed me that it was possible to still have a really fulfilling career where you make a difference, where you can progress, whilst at the same time be a loving parent. And I felt I really didn't want to choose between my maternal identity and my maternal instinct did kick in at some point, not immediately after the birth, but you know, I did bond with my baby and I really did all those gooey things <laughs> that people do when they first become parents. But yeah, uh, at the same time, I still was me and I wanted to, I still had big dreams for what I wanted to do and, and um, that really hadn't changed. So how much of the Leaders Plus program and your sort of move to build it, how much did that take place while you were pregnant and how much did it take place during your maternity leave? So I didn't think about doing anything like this at all during, I was, you know, I mean, my plan was to go back and take on my regional director role again at Teach First. But then when I had my baby, suddenly, so I got a little bit, not bored because it's very busy, but I just felt like there was nothing for my brain. And I didn't have any friends who were similar, who had, I didn't have any baby friends who were equally ambitious. And I was talking to my partner actually at the time, I just thought, I want to have some role models. And he said, well, sorry, it's not out there. So you might as well do it yourself. And um, I thought, well, why don't we get together actual leaders with babies, so people who have had senior careers with children, and let them share their stories and what they've learned along the way with people like me. And so I thought, right, first thing first, we need a great venue, a really inspirational one, a professional one, so that we can just smash this paradigm that you can't be a leader and a mother at the same time. So I went to all the big companies and I said, well, wouldn't you think, you know, it'd be great to have 60 leaders with 40 babies? And I just didn't get a response. But as I mentioned before we came on the call, 
our local MP lives on the street, which at the time I didn't know. And um, I approached her and said, well, you know, is there any chance we might be able to host it in the House of Commons? And her response was, of course, which was wonderful. And it just, by the way, she, she, uh, her name is Heidi Alexander. and She doesn't actually have children, which just shows again that your allies and your champions are not necessarily the people who have children. It's, it's just people who, who really want to drive change. And she's one of those. So together with a few uh, friends, I then uh, set out to find some speakers and I wanted the most inspirational, you know, so we had Karen Blackett, OBE and Dame Geraldine Strasti, CBE and really, really impressive men and women. And we told them, well, actually, we're going to have 60 leaders and 40 babies in one room. We want you to tell us honestly about how you did it. And they did that. I was very nervous before the event, as you can imagine. I was thinking the night before, this is a stupid idea. How can you have 40 <laughs> babies in one room? What were you worried uh, no, about? What was the thing? Well, just practically, I mean, you know, can you imagine how can you have 40 babies and then five very distinguished speakers? How can anyone still hear them? But uh, yeah, and, and um, I was worried that no one would turn up, that no one would be interested. But all those worries were completely unfounded. And actually, I think we we never need to forget how easy many babies are when they're just able to hang on to their parent. And that was a huge resounding success and very inspirational for the attendees and me as well. And I thought that was going to be it and it would be a nice event. But then people started telling me, look, you need to do more of this. We need to be able to talk about career progression, ambitious careers and have our babies, our toddlers with us at the same time. And that's how the idea of Leaders Plus was born. During that event, what were the big takeaways? Is there anything that really stood out to you or a person that was a leader with a baby? Personally, the most powerful thing obviously was that every single one of those people on the panel said that we do feel guilty as well. It's not just you, but we just have to accept that. It's not, you know, just notice that you're feeling guilty and know that you would feel guilty even if you were a stay-at-home parent and just do what you're passionate about anyways and they all said I'm actually a much better parent because I'm doing what I'm passionate about which personally resonated with me and I think the last thing that resonated with me was that and Dame Geraldine Strassi said this actually we're all going to live to 75 so don't make a decision now about putting your career long term on the back burner if you want to do other exciting things you may well take a bit of a break that's absolutely fine career breaks are fine but it doesn't mean that you can't achieve your dreams and and for me personally that was very that really touched me yeah that's very powerful isn't it so you, so you went away kind of fortified by that and reassured that there was obviously this appetite from other people to really build something. And then I imagine you spoke to other people to inform the program as you built it. Who did you speak to and, and also what did you read? At that time, I didn't have the idea to have a program yet, but I because I had time and I was craving, I'm a bit of a planner and I didn't have anything to plan because clearly my baby was definitely not sticking with any of the plans for mm-hmm. routines and sleep that I had for her. Um, although she's lovely, 
obviously if she ever listens to this <laughs> and um the but what i ended up um doing is i did quite structured interviews with some of the people who were in middle leadership senior re- leadership roles and had young children i asked them about what they needed what they would have made a difference to them what their worries were their concerns and then also i spoke to academics so i had a really lovely chat with alison wolf professor here in london who knows a lot about gender equality because i'm swiss i was able to somehow convince iris bonnet at harvard who is a professor who's written a brilliant book gender equality by design to have a chat with me and share some of her insights with me and then i just read a lot um my sister actually put me on a she she as a gift she she paid for a course for me around gender equality in in switzerland which i did for a day or two and that gave me lots of they sent out a reading list and i pretty much did all that reading list so that really inspired me and then based on that i came up i realized that there were a few key enablers so the fact that many of us we don't have the information that you get from an old boys network about how to progress your career because i always thought it was hard work just alone and performance that will get you promoted but let's face it it's there are other factors at play and being smart about managing those workplace politics are important or all the parents i spoke to they said they wanted to have like an nct but for professionals so where they were connecting with other parents yeah and to demystify it demystify as you say those softer sides or the things that aren't in that kind of official roadmap that actually do lead to Mm -hmm. career progression yeah yeah and you know even the things so i didn't think of so my partner has been very crucial in my career and also in me founding Leaders Plus as I was in him founding his own social enterprise. But um, yeah, he, he um, um, a lot of parents I consulted said it was really important to have a facilitated workshop with their partners. So that's why that's in the program now. Like, you know, we have a session with the line managers again, because the evidence is very clear that your line manager makes an impact on your career progression. So this is a bit of a digression, but you mentioned there that you're Swiss. Why do you think the UK is particularly bad on parental rights and its practice compared to elsewhere? Do you think it's cultural or do you think it's structural or a mixture of both? Mm, Yeah, it's probably a mix of both. I think the biggest problem is that we are seeing how the situation today is normal Mm. and that we're not enough aware that change can happen if you think about you know 30 years ago most people were working on a saturday but now usually people don't work if they're in a nine-to-five job they don't work saturdays and i think the same is going to happen with flexible working but at the moment it's just still seen as something unique and different that you need to argue for rather than it just being a normal part of your work i'm just interested in just because i get the impression that the uk is particularly bad on this compared to other places and you've got that experience of being outside of the UK I mean is there any particular barriers you think which are very typical to the UK Mm. well the childcare costs are relatively high in the UK Mm. um, but there are countries where it's even higher sadly you're asking a Swiss person actually in Switzerland there's only three months maternity leave I think at the time of recording there's only two days of paternity leave two days wow. yes and it's illegal it is legal to ask someone in a job interview whether or not they're they're planning to have a baby which obviously it's not illegal it's not legal to do that in the uk so the good news is 
there are a few select countries that are even worse in Europe than the UK, but also we do know that there are countries that perform better. So, and interestingly, the Scandinavian countries, though, are not necessarily the ones that have, you know, you would expect them to perform better in terms of gender equality in senior roles yeah. um, than they do. So the UK um, does worse, for example, in France, but I think there's space for the UK to find its own way and its own solutions. And it, it's, it's uh, not just a case of copying stuff from other countries. So did you actually go back to teach first after your maternity leave or did you launch right into doing your own social enterprise? No, I did actually, I did uh, end up having handing in my resignation and um, obviously I had a year of maternity leave, so I had plenty of time. But I think the trigger was that um, I was accepted onto the Cambridge Social Ventures Programme uh, at Cambridge University, which is helping people develop a brave idea into a social enterprise. and. Okay. I think just sometimes it's those trigger moments that give you the confidence to say, yes, let me go for this and try it. Yeah. Did the prospect of launching a whole new business ever feel like an impossible feat, though? Did you ever have any wobbly moments? <laughs> most most of the time it did. And um, I don't think, you know, people usually say I'm, I come across as quite confident, but I was definitely having many, many many doubts I remember just so at the beginning I was trying to reach out to HR directors to offer it to their employees and I tried to do that via LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and I just I must have written individually to 200 300 people and just didn't get a response and I was that you know that was very tough and I definitely I definitely cried but what I learned was and and I don't always manage to do it, but what I have really shifted my thinking is that with these tough situations, when you have an ambitious goal, that what it really helps for me is to have almost like a hypothesis mm-hmm. saying, right, my hypothesis is that if I do lots of proactive reaching out to HR directors, I will get someone who will back the program and I will do that for X number of hours and then evaluate. Then that becomes a lot less personal than saying, well, you know, haven't I been rubbish because nobody got back to me, but it becomes like an experiment. And then you realize, well, actually, no, no one writes back to me when I do that. So I need to approach it in a different way, uh, and which I, is what I did. So I then, rather than trying to be this proper corporate person, I then shifted and I was, you know, I asked individuals for advice and brilliant HR directors like Jane Beeston and Collart or Laura Harrison at CIPD um, agreed to have a chat with me, gave me advice, which helped to shape the program. And then there were also some of the first who helped me. Their organizations then uh, offered some um, places to to their um, employees, which made a real difference. Oh, I see. I mean, that sounds like quite a pragmatic approach to have quite a structured idea that you're going to do this for X amount of time and then evaluate. Did you, is that something that you sort of inherently a skill you had anyway or did that kind of get home from your maternity leave and just having to be more pragmatic and, t- and obviously being more time poor and just having to be no it's definitely not a skill I have naturally I think it was actually what a mentor said to me is that I should just look at it from that very experimental approach uh, rather than taking a rejection or a, a failure personally and say right we've experimented this didn't work right now we need to try something different 
Um, but yeah, I def- definitely did learn a lot. I mean, I used to work really crazy hours and usually people say entrepreneurs you know you have this image of a white man usually in a tech company somewhere in Silicon Valley working unbelievably crazy hours and the success coming from that Mm -hmm. but I had to learn you know I I mentioned to you I'm gonna have to rush off to pick up the kids after this conversation yeah and you just learn to be much much more structured with your time and that for me was very transformative. And funnily enough, just for if anyone listening to this is thinking about starting a social enterprise, most of the other people that are on, you know, those that I'm I'm meeting who are social entrepreneurs in my sphere and actually even my mentor from Cambridge University who started about four or five companies, most of them um, are working part-time in some shape or form. And all of them have to look prioritize as the number one priority their own mental health and well-being because that is as an entrepreneur that what keeps you going mm. well I was going to ask um do you think your maternity leave um added more skills to your artillery because I think people often think the opposite that being on maternity leave you're sort of de-skilled or you're you're taking a back seat and people lose their confidence but do you think that maternity leave actually gave you some skills which have proved to be a real asset yeah, definitely. It made me a more rounded person. I was very task focused and I still am, but I now underst- I, I can relate much more to people's emotional experiences and I'm able to accept if someone has a bad day. Well, previously I just would get annoyed with that. Mm-hmm. Because you've had that experience yourself of having bad days and things you can't control. But also just a toddler or even a four-year-old like I have now. Uh, yeah, you know, you cannot if they are in a very grumpy mood and then you tell them stop it behave yourself unfortunately it hasn't yielded results <laughs> in my family <laughs> so actually going down to their level at that moment and just saying yes i understand this is really tough but we are going to put on your shoes but you can choose would you like to put the blue shoes or the red shoes on and actually yeah i think you know th- that has really um i've become definitely a more more rounded leader and also I think I've been able to delegate more. So with my team, uh, if they're listening to this, they may or may not agree. But I'm definitely able to delegate a lot more because I know that I have a finite amount of time. And I think they probably appreciate that I'm less all over the detail than I might have been before my maternity leave. Yeah. Just talking back to something you you said earlier about people think you're very confident. I would agree that you do project this real confidence and togetherness is that confidence a practice thing or do you feel confident on the inside or how do you outwardly project that you're together and confident and in control because you do it very well it is just an absolute fake I'm afraid <laughs> that's good to hear in a way though <laughs> no it definitely is and every so I'm definitely one of the I think I'm probably one of the least confident people uh, but also I just know that that is how I operate I I know I'm someone who who will always assess my own performance at every moment. And so most of the time I'm able to just recognize that this is me and I am, you know, I will have an imposter syndrome going on most of the time, but then I'll just do it anyways. And I think what helps me practically is, is to, yes, do preparation, but then once I'm in it, just to focus on the purpose of why I'm doing it so it was funny, actually, yesterday I was doing a big presentation for about 200 people. 
virtually. And I was super nervous, which obviously I didn't tell anyone. And I just, I, for some reason, I just couldn't, I think I slept a bit badly or I don't know why, but I just couldn't get out of that nervousness moment. But then I switched it by just thinking, hey, this is not about me, but this is about those 200 people getting some really practical things that will help them feel better about combining their parent responsibilities with their leader responsibilities. And then as a result, it went really well and I got fantastic feedback. And I don't think people would have noticed whether or not I was confident, but actually it doesn't matter because it wasn't about me. But if I went there and I said, well, I'm not quite sure about this, then it would have made it less powerful for them because they would have started questioning while they were there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any kind of practical um, tips or rituals that you do to overcome nervousness when you say are presenting a big uh, presentation to several hundred people? Practically, Amy Cuddy's research has really influenced me. And I know there's been some debate about it, but it's now actually been proven to be robust. So the whole idea that when you, the way that you stand affects your hormones, affects how you feel. So whenever I do a presentation um, and I stand, I put my laptop on a massive pile of books and I stand and I will have, uh, and even when I do, <laughs> this is probably actually the first time Kirsty, I'm talking to you while sitting down. <laughs> oh, really? So oh, I didn't realize every that. every single workshop, I will always stand because I know that that's in my that's when I'm most present. I didn't realize that that you did that. Um, it obviously works, though. I mean, a lot of people listening will be very interested in hearing how working alongside setting up a social in- enterprise while having a small child, how that worked, and whether you have advice for anyone who maybe is thinking of doing the same. Mm. I think the most important advice is to try to choose your partner wisely. If you have if you have a partner, you don't have to have one. And then also have regular conversations with your partner. So we have the additional complication that both of us are social entrepreneurs at a similar stage with similar size organizations, which means that we are on the same amount of pressure. And I think there's a lot of diary management. So right now we're expecting school at any point to close due to COVID. And we make sure that in my diary, I know when he has a big event that he cannot get out of. So I know I'm going to be the one who will drop everything if school sends a text message saying, unfortunately, due to COVID, your class is closed and vice versa. And I think that's been extremely powerful. And my mother has given me really good advice about this. So I, at the beginning, I thought, well, is it, you know, should I try to found a social enterprise and shouldn't I just go to a really stable job like I had before and she said to me well actually you're not going to be so overwhelmed because children are almost like a mindfulness practice or they can be I guess on a good day (laughs) sometimes they're (laughs) it's not true for me all the time but I think it really for me that really works that actually being present with the children probably makes me a better entrepreneur because I have to be um yeah I do have to stick you know, my, my head has to be elsewhere because they will play up mm-hmm. if I'm not present. And definitely for me, it may work for some people it may work, but for me, I cannot do work while I'm looking after the children. It is completely and utterly not feasible for me. Um, and I will be doing a bad job on both accounts. So I used to schedule calls while I was looking after my toddler. Not a good idea for me. Oh, they will yeah. play up. Yeah, that, yeah, I can identify with that. Um, so you became your own boss, obviously leaving the safety of a 
uh, a job with a structure and someone telling you, uh, you know, this is when you finish for the day. When do you know that you've done enough? When do you know that you can, you need to stop for the day? Mm. Yeah, great question. I don't think I've got that one sorted yet. So I've just thought about this today, actually, because with the pregnancy, I'm a bit tired and I know I should be taking time out in the day to take more breaks. But I haven't quite um, succeeded in doing that. I do take lunch breaks and walking breaks, but I think I need to just do have do nothing breaks. But what I have learned is that for me personally, having dedicated time is really important. So I have, my inbox is always full and I'm always behind with my emails every single day, every single month. But I know what my top priorities are and I always allocate time to those. And practically, I use something called a Pomodoro timer, which is an online thing. I'm sure listeners will be using it as well. That gives you, you have to work for 25 minutes in an undisturbed way on this thing. So for me, my aim now is to develop more partnership with employers who then offer the fellowship to their employees. And practically, it means even if I don't quite know how to do it, or if I have hundreds of other things to do, I know every day I have to spend 25 minutes on that and work completely undistractedly. And then by the end of the day, I know that even if I haven't done everything and I've never have, I know that I've made progress on that one thing, uh, even if it's a little bit. And that for me makes me feel like I've got control in a crazy uh, work environment. I mean, with so many competing priorities and probably more and more building every day, how do you actually decide what, which priority is the top priority and how, how do you rank those? So I know very clearly what my long game is and the things that, I, that someone else in my team can do well, they shouldn't be my top priority. And also when I think, uh, I know very clearly if everything falls off, uh, all the wheels fall off, then I know what do I need to do in order to keep things going. So let's say, you know, the whole team has got their schools closed. I know what I still need to keep doing and what I need to drop. So that is quite important. And then I also know what is the one thing which I need to do exceptionally well. And for me, that is having really challenging, high profile, you know, quite quite making sure that our sessions are really challenging and really thought provoking. That's that's the most important thing. If I if I didn't focus on that, then I might as well not do what I'm doing. Yeah, that makes sense to sort of steady the course that you have those clear priorities. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you went on to have a second child. And what stage was the program at then? Did you manage to take maternity leave or how did that work? So at that time, I didn't have anyone employed. And I didn't. So we had day rate facilitators, but I didn't have anyone employed. It was all me. And I didn't actually take maternity leave, but but I planned the program quite well that I had you know, I had the baby in June and then July and August. We didn't have any workshops because people are in, on summer holidays or at least were before COVID. So that worked out reasonably okay. And I also just, I guess, I deprioritized salary for myself and prioritized getting help. So I hired a virtual assistant to help me keep things ticking over and so on. And that was definitely the right decision. 
I mean, I don't think we talk enough, we don't hear enough about how people manage progressive careers once they've gone beyond the first baby and on to the second, or in your case, the third. Can you talk us through that decision to have a third baby and the discussions you might have had around how that would work with your career? Yeah, so I think in a nutshell, I've come to the conclusion that having a third baby at the time when we were trying was was a crazy thing to do. It was a kind of a high risk thing to do. So it was... um you know, during, during COVID where we didn't know what was going to happen, but, and also obviously a social enterprise, you know, I, I've played a key role um, in it. But then I thought that the most important thing is that uh, I don't have any regrets. And I did, um, I somehow, I can't describe why, but I somehow did want to have a third baby, not desperately, but I did, I did want one. And I also realized that actually having another child for the business isn't a bad thing because every single time when I had maternity leave, I had to step back from the urgency of doing things. And that's when I came up with new ideas. Um, So for example, after my mini maternity leave with my second child, I ended up making a decision that I needed to hire extra people. I adjusted the program so we could work more with the, the mentors and quite significant changes that will help it grow in the long term term but also yeah I think it, now I've made a decision to hire a program director to really take the fellowship to the next level and I'm sure that will make a big you know that that person will bring things that I wouldn't be able to do and will actually take it to the next level and also I will be able to think big during my maternity leave because my mind hopefully will rest a little bit yeah. and, and have new ideas. So I really do not see that having to take maternity leave as a, as a disadvantage at all. I really see it as an opportunity. Do you think you'll find it hard to sort of step away and let someone else take the reins for a while while you're on maternity leave? Probably. But then I actually, if I want to have a bigger impact with this social enterprise I will need to let other people take the lead on the more day-to-day things mm-hmm. and I know by nature I really like to be interested in I'm interested in the detail so if I'm forced to step away because I'm busy breastfeeding and nappy changing then I will learn that skill much quicker than I would otherwise but to ask me again in six months time I might have <laughs> completely failed to let go but my aim is to not to not do that yeah, we'll have another catch up in six months. And, um, and well, sort of leading on to my next question, then, do you think you'll do anything differently on this maternity leave, having, you know, knowing what you do now from your previous times? I don't know. I think what I will continue to do is to send my toddler to childcare. The older one is going to school. So that's not different. But again, prioritizing my well being mm-hmm. and knowing that looking after a baby is hard and I need support is really important. I think the other thing that I will do slightly differently is I've actually started working with a coach to think about the next step in terms of increasing the impact of Leaders Plus already. I mean, you will have noticed that I've been doing a lot of thinking about how to support the fellows to drive change within their organizations, which you are doing amazingly well. Um, And so I want to think about how to do that even more and use that time during maternity leave for that. So I think I'll probably do some more thinking time I guess the biggest thing I learned from any having any baby is that 
you just do not know what's going to happen. You do not know how it's going to react. And my second new baby face was definitely as tough as my first new baby face. So I'm expecting, even with the third new baby, that I will just have to completely start again with the practicalities of family life. You know, yeah. Was it tough? Were they tough in different ways, the first and second? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the babies were, I can't remember now, I think they were reasonably similar. But just at the beginning, obviously, you just do not know why the baby cries. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how to burp it. And that's all quite stressful. And I do know those things now. But then with the second, it was more like, oh, so but now there's a toddler at the same time. How do you deal with that? And that was that was really tough. Big step up. Mm and uh, looking ahead five or ten years what does success to you look like for leaders plus where would you like it to be at that point well i would like leaders plus to have been a platform for a global community of change makers so parents like you in leadership roles who really are driving change who are coming up with innovations who are supporting each other so that there's like a ripple effect for what is possible and i really would love it if that means that in most organizations and contexts, no one has to choose whether or not to have a baby and whether then that means they can still progress their career. And actually for that to be true for both men and women, because I think all genders are incredibly important. Yeah, and you do have, um, I know on, on my program, there are a number of men on the program and hopefully you'll see that grow as well. Yes, definitely. This this year, actually, quarter after yours, we have a 10% men, which is amazing. Okay, that's a big. is that a big jump from the previous years? Yes. Talking to some other fellows, we'd like to see you do like a Leaders Plus Festival. If you could make that happen, that'd be good. <laughs> that sounds fun. I love it. Um, tell me more. What, what would that be like? I don't know. I think we're just all craving um, that interaction. And you just, I think being in a room full of people that are having similar experiences is really energizing. And I think a lot of us just don't really want the um, fellowship to end. So we'll obviously stay in touch and it, it, this isn't the end, but I think just something like an annual gathering or something would be something we'd look forward to. Definitely. So you don't know this yet, actually, but we have just launched with the 2018 and 2019 fellows, uh, the alumni network. So you shall receive an email about this. But also, I love the idea of a festival and just a picture of us all together. We've met in March, first event of the program, then everything went online. So, yeah. I mean, that would be just uh, so amazing. And hopefully I can bring my baby along as well to, to that. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing what ideas you have during this maternity leave and uh, where it takes you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add, but I feel like there's a lot there that's really useful for people and it's just very insightful. Mm, no, th- thank you for having the con- conversation. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you are looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals who are parents across sectors and you want to hear more from wonderful mentors, then do head to leadersplus.org.uk to register interest right now. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please take a moment to share it with three of your friends, send them a WhatsApp message or signal or whatever you're using and leave a review and most importantly hit the subscribe button that makes a massive difference because it helps us to reach more people and also will help us as we'll enter the podcasting awards in January so thank you in advance for supporting this work obviously like with any podcast five star reviews really help with the visibility until next time have a wonderful week <laughs>